At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is the look ahead with Scott Seidenberg on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. Coming to you from the Circus Sportsbook in downtown Las Vegas. I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is the look ahead here on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. You can always follow on Twitter at Scotts on Air, S C O T T S O N A I R. This is the lull in between the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament and the Sweet 16, which will get underway on Thursday. So it's time now to evaluate the 16 teams that are left. Take a look at these eight games on Thursday and Friday and the potential matchups in the Elite Eight on the weekend. And think about where these teams compare to each other. Where do they rank? And how do we evaluate them in terms of picking not just a winner, but a winner to continue moving forward? A lot of people use different metrics to go over college basketball teams. You know, you have your your Ken Palms, your Bart Torvik's, all those websites that show you uh, the different ratings for each team. And I was looking at both, and specifically Bart Torvik, and looking at the adjusted offensive and defensive efficiency numbers, because that seems to be the correlated figure. Teams that have the good offensive and defensive efficiency numbers are the teams that have success. Now, we've talked about it a lot throughout this tournament. Defense is how you win. So I specifically looked at defensive metrics and compared it to offensive metrics. And I came up with the defensive fades, the eight bottom ranked, and not bottom, but just compared to the other, compared to 16 teams in this field that are remaining, I looked at the eight matchups that had the worst defensive efficiency rating, and then the eight matchups that had the worst offensive efficiency rating. And there are four games that have a crossover where one team is worse both offensively and defensively. And those fades would be to play against Arkansas, which would mean to back Gonzaga, to play against Providence, so to back Kansas, to play against North Carolina, so we would back UCLA, and play against Michigan. So so you would back Villanova. Those are the plays just specifically looking at adjusted offensive and defensive efficiency. Let's welcome in our college basketball expert. He is Greg Hoops-Peterson. And Greg, when you looked at those numbers, does it make sense to fade those teams that are on the worst end of the adjusted offensive and defensive efficiency rankings. 
I think we wound up seeing it in week one of the NCAA tournament. Defense does win championships. All the one through six seeds that wound up getting knocked out in Thursday. So day number one of the NCAA tournament, they were all outside of the top 30 with regards to points allowed on a per possession basis. I heard you read those off. I'm on three of those. The one that I'm taking is the points with Arkansas because Gonzaga's free throw shooting has been a little bit suspect. I think that Eric Musselman is a terrific coach. I think that he's going to be able to keep this game within single digits, but I'm with you with North Carolina. I think that their defense is really going to be catching up with them with or without Hamiak, as in my opinion. I'm with you with regards to Michigan because I do think that Villanova having a fifth-year guy in Colin Gillespie, that is going to be massive. And it really does depend on the number right now with Providence. I wound up setting Kansas as a seven-and-a-half-point favorite we've seen some eights we've seen some sevens so i'm gonna let the line settle out there but for the first time all year we're seeing respect for providence and i think it might be a little bit too much yeah so those are the four crossover games uh the crossover teams excuse me that fit the category of both a defensive and an offensive fade but specifically the defensive fades greg you uh the the, the list says fade miami versus iowa state fade purdue versus st peter's uh, Michigan, Providence, fade Duke against Texas Tech, North Carolina and Arkansas, and fade Arizona against Houston. What do you make of those? I think the big thing for me with the Arizona game is how many minutes is Kirk Carissa going to get? Because he looked terrible on Sunday. And it's not even his fault. It's not a case in which Kirk Carissa is not trying his hardest or anything like that. The coaching staff really just needs to protect him from himself. I think that I was reading somewhere that he had a plus minus 20. So if you're ever one of those people that's in the camp of plus minus means nothing. Well, there's exhibit A for you right there. But I do think that when it comes to Arizona, it is a little bit intriguing because Houston, they are a top 10 team in both points scored and points a lot on a per possession basis. The lone trepidation I have is that their best win of the year probably came against Illinois a couple days ago. So they have been playing a little bit of a lesser level of competition. So you do have a little bit of trepidation with that regard. But I do take a look at it. And I do agree mostly with taking a look at better defensive teams. And you bring up St. Peter's number two team among 358 with regards to cover rate. 22 and nine against the spread this year. Only team that's been better is Middle Tennessee, who cash for you once again on Monday. Yeah, and uh, they're 31st, I believe, in the nation in defensive efficiency. So uh, St. Peter's might be able to keep this thing close once again. The darlings of the NCAA tournament, Greg. Uh, when you looked at the totals for these games in the Sweet 16, do you believe that these will be lower scoring as the games are tighter now, as the, it's more on the line, you're getting teams that are coming off wins? Or do you think that the games open up a bit and we see higher scores? I think it's going to be somewhere in the middle because with regards to my totals, I really didn't have anything super duper low. We're certainly not going to see anything like we wound up seeing on Sunday when you wound up having that Virginia North Texas game close at like 109. So good news is you're not going to be seeing anything of that nature. But I mean, I really have one higher scoring game that's north of 150. And that's the obvious one, Gonzaga versus Arkansas, because Gonzaga, they play at warp speed. They're in the top five with regards to points scored on a per possession basis. You've got an Arkansas team that they're in the top 40 with regards to possessions per game as well. So these are two teams that play at a breakneck pace. I noticed I'm a little bit higher on the Arizona total line. 
I really have been just because if you take a look at this Arizona team, it doesn't matter the situation. You can take a look at the NCAA tournament games. You can take a look at the Pac-12 games. You can take a look at the regular season games. They have gotten to 80 plus points in 11 out of their last 12 games, even with Kirk Creasy dealing with his injuries. I wound up setting this total at a 147. So this is one that on the early numbers, I just wound up taking it over because Arizona has been a completed under machine, but I'm seeing a lot of mid total games. A lot of mine, you're finding them like in, for instance, Michigan versus Villanova, 134. The lowest one I really got is this Iowa State versus Miami game at 130. I'm in a lot of mid 130 totals with regards to these games. Greg, we have two uh, quarterfinal matchups in the NIT coming up tomorrow. St. Bonaventure against Virginia. UVA is laying three and a half with a total of 125. What was your handicap on this game? I made it three and a half firstly. We're seeing a mix of three and three and a half in the market. And at three and a half exactly, I'd be a little bit more likely to lay it than take it. I'm looking at a three personally with regards to Virginia. And for Virginia, it's just a case in which I trust in the coaching. Tony Bennett, it doesn't matter if it's the NCAA tournament. It doesn't matter if everything is on the line for an ACC championship or if they'd be playing in the toilet bowl between the two bottom teams, he's going to have his guys motivated. He's going to have them ready to play. I like that about Tony Bennett and the Virginia defense has come along for the ride. 65 points or fewer allowed in regulation because that North Texas game didn't wind up going to overtime and North Texas at 55 points in regulation in six out of the last seven games. So they've been able to do a solid job there. And St. Bonaventure, certainly not a blazer either. A team that's in the bottom 100 with regards to possessions per game. When they made their NCAA tournament run last year, it's because they were hanging their hat on defense. You've got a pair of good big men in this game. Oshun, Oshuni is able to give you three blocks, 11 points per contest for the Bonnies. Meanwhile, Jaden Gardner, 15.7 rebounds. But I think that the combination of Kia Clark, Reese Beekman being able to give you a combined nine and a half assists per game. And St. Bonaventure, having no bench whatsoever, really using a five-man rotation winds parting them in this game. I'm willing to back Virginia and going to be taking a look at an under. I set my total at 123 and a half. Interesting stuff there. The other quarterfinal matchup is Xavier hosting Xander, uh, Vanderbilt, excuse me, and uh, Xavier is a three and a half point favorite, total of 142 and a half. I'm going to be looking at a money line play here on Vanderbilt, and it is going to be my DK Nation pick Ooh. because when it comes to Vanderbilt, they were missing two starters for a combined 37 games a season in Ronnie Chapman along through Liam Robbins. Robbins is a seven footer that came over from Missouri. He's giving you two blocks per game and at seven feet tall. He's capable of shooting threes. Ronnie Chapman is a guy that gives you eight and a half points per game shooting 39% from threes. So the numbers that you've got for the season of Vanderbilt, not necessarily representative of what you've got right now. And Xavier, let's just call it what it is. They're dealing with a lot because Arch or Sean Miller, I should say, you got two Millers that wound up getting hired, but Sean Miller is back at Xavier right now. He is going to be taking over at the end of the season, but you got an interim coaching regime right now for Xavier. So it's sort of a strange spot for all these guys that are on the roster. To their credit, we really haven't seen anyone on the Xavier roster opt out. So I do give a lot of credit to the kids, but when you're dealing with an interim coaching staff against a Vanderbilt team that they're really looking to build upward momentum with all these guys actually deciding to come back here in the back half of the season after they were banged up at the beginning of the season. I think motivation is on the side of Vanderbilt. I think that they've just got a little bit more to play for, and now they're really starting to fire on all cylinders. And on top of that, you've got a guy in Scotty Pippen Jr. who is the only player in all of college basketball taking at least eight free throws per game. So he knows how to get to the line and get easy points. All right, so we're going to lay it with Virginia. We'll take the points with Vanderbilt. Greg, appreciate the time and the insight. We'll chat again tomorrow.
Scott, always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you. There he is, our college basketball expert, Greg Hoops-Peterson. Download Coast to Coast Hoops wherever you get your podcasts, or you can just simply go to vcin.com slash podcasts. Coming up next, we'll get into the NBA. Will Hill will join me, the host of the New York City cast for us, presented by Bet Rivers. We'll talk about the Nets' victory at home against a very, very good opponent and see what's in store for this team moving forward. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Are you ready for a fresh start? And we mean a real fresh start with lasting change. Take the Zin 10 Challenge and switch up the way you've been enjoying nicotine. Available in a variety of tastes and strengths, Zin Nicotine Pouches deliver smoke-free and spit-free nicotine satisfaction. Try Zin Nicotine Pouches for 10 days or your money back. Your fresh start is here. Take the Zin 10 Challenge today at Zin.com slash 10. That's Z-Y-N.com slash 10. Zin Nicotine Pouches are only for adults 21 and over who currently use tobacco or nicotine. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Scott Sandberg back here with you. This is the look ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. We welcome in now the host of the New York City cast for us here at VSIN, presented by Bet Rivers. He is Will Hill. And, Will, let's talk about the Brooklyn Nets, who, uh, without Kyrie Irving playing at home, get 37 from Durant as they beat a pretty good opponent in the Utah Jazz. How impressive was that win for them? Yeah, this Durant guy, it turns out he's pretty good. I mean, he's basically <laughs> seven feet tall, and he basically makes every shot he takes. So, uh, look, I, I think there's no doubt that they can win it with Durant and a full-strength Kyrie, Kyrie playing at home. I think you have to start to question, hey, with Durant and even half the games from Kyrie and even nothing out of Ben Simmons, which who knows if you're getting anything out of him, can they still win? I still think they might be able to. Durant's just that good. I mean, look, with basically no Harden last uh, postseason, Irving got hurt. Durant almost carried him by himself past Milwaukee, a Milwaukee team that ended up winning it all. You know, obviously the infamous foot on the line yep. uh, prevents them from moving on, but Durant is just so good. I think, you know, the, the, the best player in the league conversation, you know, it goes back from Embiid to Jokic for my money, Durant. Now he doesn't play enough. He's hurt a lot. I, that That's part of it. I understand that is part of it, but when he's on the floor, he's just so damn good. Now, I've said, and I did it the past couple of games, that whenever the Nets are on the road, they're in auto play. Uh, and I played them, you know, in Philly. Uh, they cover um, in uh, in Orlando. Obviously, they cover. They win big. Now, this week, two tough opponents, but they're on the road in Memphis and in Miami. Regardless of what the line is, we back in the Nets in both of these games. Certainly would be the way I would be leaning. Uh, it's funny. I think it was this time two weeks ago where – they had lost 17 to 20 and on the podcast, I've been saying, you know what, give them the benefit of the doubt. When Durant comes back, when this, when that. And at, at one point I just snapped, I think it was two weeks ago before they played Charles. Like, all right, enough's enough. They got to win some games. I mean, Durant <laughs> just came back. They lost to Miami. They lost to Boston close games. Like at some point you got to start winning. So like, I think that was the night they beat Charlotte pretty good. Uh, you know, Kyrie's just been unbelievable. They, they played pretty well since. Uh, so I would certainly be looking to play on them to me, this team that they're headed for an eight seed though, uh, to, you know, too far behind. Cleveland too far behind Toronto to move out of the plane. Now it's a big difference between being eight and nine, eight, you get two chances to win one game. Uh, I do think they will be in the eight seed here in a couple of weeks and uh, starting to come down the stretch. You're only 10, 11 games left. It's, 
it's a struggle to the finish line. If, if you're betting NBA every night, it's a, it's a tough racket, but we're, uh, we're getting there. Yeah, and that game at home against Charlotte on Sunday is going to be the big one because the Hornets are just one game behind them for that 8-9 matchup So for the, for the 9 seed. So you mentioned by being the 8th, they have two chances because they'll play in the 7-8 game, and then if they lose, they'll play the winner of the 9-10. But if Charlotte can catch up to them, now things get really interesting. So that's going to be a big game for them coming up on uh, Sunday, the 27th. So looking at the rest of the Eastern Conference right now, we mentioned uh, the Sixers winning without Embiid uh, here against the Miami Heat. Miami just a game and a half up on Philadelphia. The Bucks and the Celtics are also two and a half games back of Miami. So who finishes as the one seed in the Eastern Conference? Boy, it's such a good question. Who wants to finish as the one? Because we just talked about the Nets. If you're the one, you could get the Nets. If you're the two, you could get the Nets. If you're the three, A, you stay away from the Nets. B, you end up with the Bulls, probably the Cavs. So I think these teams, are, I, I think you're already seeing it with Philly. I think Maury's been pretty uh, outspoken about the fact, look, uh, we're going to rest these guys down the stretch. Mm. Uh, you know, look, now you might be punting on home field at some point, home court in the second, third round, and that's a factor. But I think these teams are going to do everything they can to avoid the Nets in the first round. It's not a usual year where you're trying to get the one seed. I think you're going to try to be, you know, the three, uh, the four, avoid the Nets, um, you know, deal with the Cavs, deal with the Bulls. So it's a tough question to answer. Uh, I know the Bucks have a tough schedule. My guess is Miami. Miami's not one of these teams that, you know, is going to tank to avoid somebody. They're tough, sure. tough-minded with Riley and Spolster. I don't think they'll fear anyone. So I'll still say Miami here, but uh, it's a fascinating race. And you got to throw Boston in the mix. Boston's playing great. They have a pretty soft schedule. Uh, yeah. Not impossible. Boston moves up and gets the one. Oh, I think crazy. Boston would be the team that actually wants it. You know, yeah. this would be a victory for them to, to go out there and get the one seed. And it's amazing. A while back, you could have gotten the Celtics at really long odds to win the Eastern Conference. And uh, there's no argument. Division, they've too. The they've been the best team uh, since the calendar flipped to 2022. The Celtics were the best team in the NBA. No argument about was, that. Yeah, I think it was six weeks ago. They were 25 to one to win the division. And it's funny. Nobody pays attention to these divisions other than us, other than betters, because mm -hmm. I think it's the Suns can clinch tomorrow. Nobody cares. They're completely irrelevant, except for us. If you play, you know, ticket, you got tickets here on division titles. It matters to us. But in terms of that, it, it's sort of irrelevant. But yeah, Boston was 25 to one to win that Atlantic. And uh, they got a pretty good, pretty good shot. Now, Philly won tonight. That helps Philly. But I, I saw this morning, Boston was minus 175 to win. It, it had been Philly all the way for the last, you know, three, four weeks since the Harden trade, Philly had gone from plus money to minus. Now it's kind of flipped again. Well, that happens when you win nine of 10 and actually yeah. you just keep piling up win after win after win. Uh, let's talk a little college basketball here. St. Peter's, the darlings of the New York metropolitan area. The little, the little engine that could from Jersey City is uh, going to take on Purdue here. They're catching the biggest number of the weekend uh, here on Friday. Do we like taking the points with the St. Peter's team that if you look at just the defensive metrics, they are a top 30, they're a top 30 team. They're 31st ranked actually in adjusted defensive efficiency. Yeah, it's the other side of the ball. That's a problem. And look, you could throw, throw the fact they beat Kentucky at me. They beat Murray State. They really controlled that Murray State game. Um, you know, I was shocked they beat Kentucky. I wasn't shocked they beat Murray. Um, you know, that, that was really a, an impressive weekend for them. I think this is a different caliber of opponent in Purdue. <laughs> Purdue is so explosive on offense with Ivy, who's going to be, I think, a really good pro. Edie, who's basically the biggest human being any of us have ever seen, and, and it has a lot of skill. You know, he's a good player. Uh, I just think this is one of those where it's hard for St. Peter's to hang in the game. 
Now, 12, can look, can they lose by 10, not 14? Of course, but my tendency here would actually be to lay the points with Purdue. I know I'm, you know, being answered the picnic here. It's a fun story. We all want to root for St. Peter's, but sometimes you get caught up in, you know, what you want to root for as opposed to what's a good bet. I would actually lay the points here with Purdue. Spring training baseball underway. Will Max Scherzer, good as advertised in his Mets debut, threw 72 pitches, three hits, no walks, five strikeouts. Uh, Mets fans rushing to the window to bet the Mets to win the World Series. Yeah, I mean, it, the ship has sailed a little bit. I mean, that's another one that was 20 to yeah. 1 before they got Scherzer. You're down at 10 to 1, 9 to 1. It's okay. I mean, that's still not a great number, especially since you have your, the Braves in your own division, the Phillies stocked up. With, with a lot of offensive firepower. Uh, obviously, the Dodgers are still the Dodgers, so that's cutting it a little short. Uh, I do think the Mets are going to be outstanding, though. But uh, with the caveat being DeGrom, Scherzer, stay healthy. Uh, and then you have Bassett, who's a really nice third starter. Yep. I think Showalter will give him a nice presence. You know, they haven't had that stability the last few years. It just seems like there's a black cloud over their head, with whether it's off-the-field stuff, whether it's, you know, booing the fans. There's always some drama with the Mets. I think Showalter <laughs> comes in and stabilizes that. And, you know, figure Lindor second year, New York's a little more comfortable. Alonzo's still a big bat. And some of the uh, peripheral signings have been, I, I've been ones I really liked, whether it's Kanha, Escobar, you know, versatile players, Starling Marte, guys that are professionals come in, you know, play multiple positions, hit different spots in the lineup, get on base. Uh, I think the Mets are going to be really good. I, I gave out over 89 and a half on the podcast. I think it's 90 and a half. A lot of places mm. uh, over for the Mets would be the way I would go. Uh, did we, do we know anything about Aaron judge, his vaccination status, what's happening with the New York city mandate? Because if he's unvaxxed and he can't play, he's going to miss 90 something games this season. If this thing holds. Yeah. I mean, it certainly seems like he's unvaccinated. He seems to dodge the question yeah. where, you know, it's my business. That's usually a tip off. I mean, it's crazy. We're still talking about this stuff. Um, I think it. the mayor in New York will lift it eventually. I don't think it'll be an issue, but then, uh, hey, look, you got a bunch of games in Toronto, and I don't know that Toronto's lifting it. So, boy, this stuff never seems to escape us. And, it, and like you said, it's a big issue. It's a lot of games at, at, at hand. You figure something gives there, but it's definitely something to keep an eye on. Fascinating situation. You know, with his contract status, I actually love him as an MVP candidate because, you know, he's going to be playing for a massive payday. I think the Yankees would be wise to give it to him now rather than wait, but he does have an injury history, so if he gets yeah. hurt, they can save some money by not paying him, you know, obviously. But I kind of like he's Judge. Old, yeah. older than you think, yes. too. You think, oh, he's only been around a few years. He's going on, I want to say, 29, top of my head. He's a little older than you think. Yeah, he'd be looking uh, He'd be looking at a big payday that would pay him till he's 39 years old or something like which that. Which is dangerous. Which very, is very, very dangerous. dangerous. We've Stan's seen another one, MVP. Stan, you get Stan like 50 to 1 to win MVP. If you mm-hmm. watched him hit at the end of last year, the playoffs, the end of the season, he had big home runs at Fenway. He's another one that gets hurt a lot, but. Uh, with that power stand at 50 to one is, is really worth a flyer. In my opinion, I don't hate it. Well, appreciate the time and the conversation. We'll catch up again real soon. All right, Scott. Appreciate it. My man. There he is. Will Hill. catch the New York city cast presented by bet rivers, wherever you get your podcasts from, or simply go to vcin.com slash podcasts. I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is the look ahead here on vcin. This is the look ahead on vcin, the sports betting network. Get everything you need to bet the madness this year with 24-7 streaming, daily best bet emails, and our tournament betting guide, including advice, data, and strategy for only $19. Whether you're filling out a bracket or betting against the spread, our team is here to get you ready for every game in every round of the tournament. 
Get analysis from our experts, including Greg Hoops Peterson, Matt Humans, Jonathan Von Tobel, and Tim Murray. They have insights at every key team conference and player to watch from the favorites to the potential Cinderella's. Sign up today to get the betting guide plus full access to VSIN through the end of the tournament, April 5th, for only $19 at vsin.com slash madness. Scott Sadenberg back here with you. This is the look ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. Taking a look at what went down in the NBA here on Monday. Hornets beat the Pelicans 106-103. The Lakers go into Cleveland. LeBron James with a triple-double in front of his hometown fans as the Lakers win 131-120 over the Cavs. The Pistons' cover streak has come to a close. 14 straight against the spread. 15 straight in the first half against the spread have both been snapped as the Pistons lose outright to the Portland Trailblazers. It, it, listen, this is a very, very bad Blazers team that has been losing games by 30. And they go into Detroit and they beat the Pistons. 119-115, a valiant comeback effort by Detroit but it was not enough. Uh, Detroit, I believe, covered the second half line, though, because they were down big in the first half, and they won the second half by, what, 11? So don't know what the second half line was, but they lose the game by four, so they were, you know how you know they were down big at the half. The Sixers, how about this? Playing in a game without Joel Embiid, without... James Harden against the Miami Heat. Butler played. Bam Adebayo played. Kyle Lowry played. Duncan Robinson played. P.J. Tucker. Tyler Hero. I mean, the only one that didn't play was Oladipo. But everyone else played. The Sixers beat the Heat. 113-106. Again, without Embiid and without Harden. Now they're just uh, two and a half games back of Miami for the one seed in the Eastern Conference. Elsewhere, as we move along, the Nets at home beat the Jazz 114-106. The Bulls beat the Raptors 113-99. Rockets Beat the Wizards, 115-97. Celtics top the Thunder, 132-123. Jason Tatum with 36 points. Side note, Thunder covered this game, and they're just incredible against the spread, the Thunder. Second best team in the league against the number. It's just, it's, it's unbelievable. But Celtics win for the ninth time in the last 10 games. They continue to just surge. Jason Tatum. He's not going to win the MVP, but he really should. Uh, he's not because it's going to be Embiid or Jokic. But Jason Tatum in the month of March alone, this is according to StatMuse, 34.4 points per game, 7.3 rebounds per game. He's shooting 45.5% on three-point percentage, on three-pointers, averaging 9.9 attempts. He leads the league in points and three-pointers per game in the month 
of March. Celtics on a tear. Jason Tatum on an absolute tear. And the Celtics, two and a half games as well, back of the Miami Heat for the one seed in the Eastern Conference. And then the Mavericks beat the Timberwolves 110-108. Minnesota covered as a two and a half or three point dog. (laughs) Fun stuff there. Let's take a look at what's coming down here on Tuesday. Warriors against the Magic. Golden State, eight-point favorites, total of 216. You know, no Steph Curry, so it's going to probably be a lower-scoring game. Do you want to lay the eight with the Warriors against the Magic without Curry? Uh, They should be able to beat them. Orlando's pretty bad. Uh, Hawks take on the Knicks. Atlanta, a a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, The Knicks had their streak of seven straight ATS wins snapped when they were blown out by the Jazz the other night. Do the Knicks bounce back at home? You got Atlanta coming in. You know the crowd still hates Atlanta and Trey Young from the playoffs last year. So we'll see what the Knicks do. One and a half point favorites uh, the Hawks are. Bulls are at the Bucks. Milwaukee a six point favorite in this one. Chicago playing second out of a back-to-back after they just beat Toronto. And the Clippers will be in Denver to take on the Nuggets. Denver, a six-and-a-half-point favorite in this one. A couple of things. When looking at the NBA uh, futures market, there's a couple of things that we need to bring up. The first is the awards market. I tweeted this out, and I'm sure we're going to reference it with uh, – Jonathan Von Tobel, who will join me coming up uh, in a few minutes. But Jaron Jackson Jr. now leads the NBA in blocks. The most in the NBA. And his odds to win Defensive Player of the Year surprisingly have actually gone down because we've had other players jump into the mix here. So, taking a look at the odds, Jaron Jackson Jr. is 16 to 1. Bridges is 12 to 1. Robert Williams has shot up to 11 to 1. Giannis, six, uh, plus 650. Rudy Gobert, plus 155. Your favorite to win Defensive Player of the Year right now on the DraftKings Sportsbook. Bam Adebayo at plus 115 which is really interesting. When you look at uh, Bam, and there's no doubt that he's uh, you know, been tremendous this year. Right now, if you're looking at that block list, he's not in the top five. It's Jaron Jackson Jr. one, Robert Williams two, Rudy Gobert three, Miles Turner four, Mitchell Robinson five. And other defensive numbers, if you're looking at uh, just average, so in blocks, it's Gobert and Jaron Jackson Jr. Really, rebounds, it's Gobert, Jokic, Sabonis, Capella, Steals, 
it's Murray, Gary Trent Jr., Thibault from Philly. He's been great. Marcus Smart up there. So I, I, I don't know what am I missing here with, with Bam because if I'm just looking at, you know, and I know these are basic numbers, but still I'm looking at blocks. I'm looking at steals. Looking at boards, looking at. I don't know where what where where the love is here, but he is shot up, and is now your favorite to win defensive player of the year. I also think the market is way off when it comes to the rookie of the year. Looking at the odds for rookie of the year right now. Evan Mobley is minus 900. Cade Cunningham is plus 550. And Scotty Barnes is 7-1. to one. I really think that Scotty Barnes has a chance. Especially if the Raptors somehow, and they're only a game back of Cleveland, fight their way out of the play-in games and into the actual postseason mix. Cleveland has been faltering. Mobley has been, you know, okay. But just looking at what Barnes has been able to do all season long, and especially down the stretch here, it's like he might be playing better as of late, and it's almost going to be like a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately kind of thing, right, where he's fresh in the minds of these voters And if Toronto surges here at the end of the year and they get a number six seed, he could be the guy. Seven to one could absolutely be worth a look here. We'll talk more about this with our very own uh, Jonathan Von Tobel, our senior NBA analyst. We'll get into the college hoops with him as well. Coming up next, I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. The college basketball season is in full swing. Grab a five-hour energy to stay alert and watch all your favorite games. Or if you stayed up late to see that intense overtime game, take a five-hour energy shot in the morning so you can energize your day. With zero sugar and an unbeatable blend of vitamins, nutrients, and caffeine, it's the perfect pick-me-up for getting stuff done. Go to 5hourenergy.com to find over 15 flavors to choose from with flavors like grape, tropical burst, cherry, blue raspberry, and more. There's a flavor for everyone. Get a 5-hour energy today. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Joining us now is our very own Jonathan Von Tobel, our senior NBA analyst. You can follow him on Twitter at MeJBT. And... JBT, I just got done talking about the Defensive Player of the Year and because uh, the, the tweet went out. I, I retweeted it. I know you liked it about Jaron Jackson Jr. and his lead in blocks this season. Bam Adebayo, though, has uh, overtaken the odds board now. He is the overwhelming favorite to win this award. Why is Bam this heavy of a favorite compared to some of the other players that are on the top of this list? 
Yeah, you know, we always have to remember that uh, that these numbers are reflective of liability too, right? So, you know, a lot of people coming in and betting on Bam at a bio. You know, I, I think it came kind of around the time his surge up the board when Gobert started missing a, a little bit more time, right? Remember, he had that injury, missed some time, came back, and then missed, I think, two games after that, maybe one. Um, and that's kind of when it started to come in. And look, I don't want to take anything away from Bam Adebayo because defensively, he actually does have the profile. If you look at it, when he's on the court, their defensive rating improved by 8.5 points per 100 possessions. Their defensive rating with him on the floor, 103.4. He's been an incredible defensive player. I'm just like, this race to me, Scott, is so wide open, right? Mm -hmm. That I don't, I'm not entirely sure that anybody should be this short of a favorite. Nobody should have been the odds on favorite, clearly, because Gobert at one point, you were laying a price with him. So, like, I understand their support for Bam Adebayo, but you do wonder for a guy who has missed as many games as he has, how much is that going to hold him back? Because he has still missed more games than Rudy Gobert has at this point this season. So, to me, in this market, like, if you're taking a stab, if you're looking to play, it's Giannis onto the Kumbo, and and I think that's it because Giannis just kind of licking the finger and testing the wind in terms of guys and gals who have votes. The one consistent name that pops up is Giannis Antetokounmpo. You know, I listened to a podcast. It was Brian Windhorst's the other day where Bam Adebayo wasn't even mentioned yeah, when they were talking wow. about defensive player of the year, right? And the, the the explicit the quote was, it's Rudy Gobert or Giannis Antetokounmpo, right? And there was no argument from anybody else on that panel. So, like, to me, if, if you're talking about who can win this award on this board right now, who's worth taking a shot at, it would be Giannis, because I think there's so many other different guys who have cases. I mean, the Celtics guys are, are a fascinating case study, too, right? I read an article the other day. Uh, I think it was uh, Nikias Duncan and the guys who write over there. You know, their, their defensive player of the year was Marcus Smart. I've also read articles that say Robert Williams is the guy that makes the defense go for the Boston Celtics. So, like, the, there's so many different guys all over the place, and there's going to be so many votes there. But the one consistent has been Giannis Antetokounmpo, and he might win this just because he's on so many different ballots, whether it's first, second, or third-place votes. Yeah, it's amazing. Giannis right now is currently at plus 650 to be the defensive yeah. player of the year. Taking a look at the rookie of the year markets, I think this is unbelievable. Evan Mobley's minus 900 up on DraftKings, and you got Cade Cunningham plus 550, and Scotty Barnes 7-1. to one. I think Barnes is live because... He has been he has been really contributing at a high level for this Toronto team who is making a surge up the standings and could very well finish outside of the playing tournament. They could get the sixth seed. They're only a game back of Cleveland. Yeah, we were talking about this off the air. It's interesting because usually like nine times out of 10 rookie of the year team succession have nothing to do with evaluating the rookie of the year, right? You know, these are rookies. Uh, obviously, you know, you just want to perform. You want to measure if a guy's going to win this award on their individual successes as opposed to team success. However, I think when you're splitting hairs like this between two guys that have identical numbers, like across the board, like they, play, they both played 63 games at this point. They're both averaging about 15 and seven or 15 and eight. So like you have to kind of go through these and that could make the difference. Now I will say that I wonder Will the will people who have a vote for this award realize that the only reason the Cleveland Cavaliers are slipping down the standings is because of the injuries to the people around Evan Mobley as opposed to Evan Mobley's performance, right? I wonder how much that affects things. But I will say this. As somebody who has a ticket on Evan Mobley at plus 300 to win this award, he shouldn't be a $9 favorite. He, he shouldn't be this big of a favorite to win this award. The gap between him and Scotty Barnes is much closer than this market is currently indicating. So for me, you know, like I'm just going to sit back and see what happens in the market, but I'm going to take a little piece of Scotty Barnes at some point just to, you know, just to hedge it a little bit to see, you know, to 
kind of secure myself because I think it's between them. Cade Cunningham, it's a little too little too late. He's been incredible, but the first, I, th- I think it was like 20 games of the season, he was pretty uneven, was working his way back from the injury he suffered before the year began. So it's going to be either Scotty Barnes or Evan Mobley, and the gap between them is much closer than the market, the, the market indicates at this point right now. So, yes, Barnes is the value play, 100%. Jason Tatum is 200-1 to 1 to be the MVP. If you if you're just based on looking at his performance, the odds should not be two hundred to one. He's been incredible and arguably the best player in the NBA in the month of March. Yeah, he should be five hundred to one. I just like I, I <laughs> he, he's so he's been really good. But but I think we we do this a lot, right? We do this a lot with all these awards, right? Well, one of the best examples is Rookie of the Year a couple of years ago when it was Trey Young and Luka Doncic, because Luka Doncic his rookie year was incredible from game one to did they play eighty two games a year? I think they did, but whatever, you know, game one to game eighty two. Trey Young had a really strong last two months, and there was a lot of conversations like, hey, watch out, Trey Young could win this thing. And I think Luka got like every single vote but one to win it eventually, right? Whatever it was, it was a very strong win for Luka Doncic. And I think this is happening again with Tatum. Tatum has been incredible, as you mentioned, over the last month and a half, two months, since the beginning of the year, right? So the calendar year. But this is a season-long award. And part of the reason why they have made this surge up the standings has also been because this team defensively has been incredible. Robert Williams, Marcus Smart, Al Horford. It has been a complete and total team effort on top of Tatum being incredible offensively for them to have this chance at getting the number one overall seed. To me, it's just too little too late for Jason Tatum to surpass guys like Joel Embiid and the guy who I think is eventually going to win it in Nikola Jokic because they've just been so statistically dominant from game one to game 82. So that's for me, like I would need a lot more to get in on Jason Tatum. He's going to get some votes. And actually I tweeted this out earlier. It would be cool if there were markets, Scott, like who's going to be runner up, who's going to finish third, like those kind of things. That's going to be fascinating in terms of having a conversation around Tatum. But to win this thing, I I don't think he's got a snowball chance in hell. The uh, Nets beat the Jazz. Very impressive here, obviously, at home. So no Kyrie Irving. And it's a very good Jazz team. You and I have talked about it before, how the Nets are pretty much an auto play when they go on the road. And coming up next, JVT, is two very difficult road matchups at Memphis and at Miami. Would you take the Nets in both of those games? Yeah, you know, I think so, especially so if I'm going to double check this with Memphis, because the last couple of games, Memphis has been playing 500 basketball. And remember, John Morant does have a knee, kept him out of his last game. Well, he's got two knees, but he's, you know, he's got a sore <laughs> knee uh, that that took him out of the uh, the second half on Friday when they lost to Atlanta. And then he did not play over the weekend. So they were trying to get him some extra rest. We'll see if he's going to be available. Uh, but they've also kind of been playing 500 basketball. So if you go back to the beginning of March, uh, we're talking about only four covers in, what are we talking, one, two, three, four, five, and nine games. So they're four and five ATS in their last nine games. Memphis has been. So I think, yeah, when you're talking about a team that has two elite scorers like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, and on top of which taking on a good team with a power rating like Memphis, you're going to be, I think, getting a little bit of a premium here in Brooklyn, especially John Morant play. So yeah, to me, yeah, I wouldn't shy away from backing him, especially in that game. Cause we don't even know what the Morant status is going to be, or if there's going to be a minute restriction or anything like that. Yeah, but if Morant doesn't play, I think it scares me even more because uh, I believe they're 12 and two or 13 and two without John Morant this season. It's unbelievable. Yeah. They just can't win without him. And speaking of winning without your stars, the Sixers beating the heat without both Joel Embiid and James Harden. That was surprising. 
It was, and this is why I kind of get frustrated with awards markets sometimes because, and Mitch Moss tweeted this out, and I've got a ticket on this guy at 150 to 1 to win most improved. But Tyrese Maxey today, 28 points, five rebounds, four assists. The kid was absolutely incredible in leading the Philadelphia 76ers to a win against the Miami Heat. And yes, sure, the Miami Heat did. Uh, actually, no, they did. Excuse me. Uh, I was about to misspeak there. They had Jimmy Butler. Yep. So, like, and he played 35 minutes today. So, this is a full strength Miami Heat team with Tyler Hero coming off of the bench, and they're starting. Five, but Tyrese Maxey absolutely dealt tonight. Like, and John Morant is great, but to, uh, every time the conversation comes up with the most improved and you bring up a guy like Tyrese Maxey, it's, oh, well, you know, it's, all, it's his second year. This really, Nick, no, like the guy has improved. This should be something worth considering at this point right now. I don't care if it's his second year. He's been incredible. He's the third best player on a, a team that fancies itself a contender, and he has outplayed a guy like Tobias Harris, who has been a veteran and a player in this league for a very long time and a good player at that and a max player at that. So, uh, like, John Morant should be the favorite, but, like, this guy, Maxi, should have a shot at winning this award. And, you know, if you test the environment, it's clear that he's not going to get it. Yeah. Frustrating. I uh, completely agree with you. Uh, JVT, excellent stuff as always. Thanks for the insight and the time, and we'll catch up again real soon. Yep, good to talk to you, man. Thank you. He is Jonathan Von Tobel, our senior NBA analyst and host of The Edge here on VEASAN. And Hardwood Handicappers, live on Sundays and available wherever you get your podcasts from and on VEASAN.com slash podcasts. I'm Scott Seidenberg. It's The Look Ahead here on VEASAN. Rules are just rules are just rules are just